Reds winning streak, Ellie De La Cruz hits for the cycle as Cincinnati wins 12th straight versus Braves. Mike Exissa. Getty Images. A sellout crowd of 43,086 watched the Cincinnati Reds extend their longest winning streak since 1957 to 12 games Friday night at Great American Ballpark. The Reds erased 5-0 and 7-5 deficits against the National League best Atlanta Braves to earn an 11-10 win box score. Cincinnati leads baseball with 27 comeback wins and this was their fifth straight comeback win. It wasn't that long ago, April 17, to be exact, the Reds played in front of a home crowd of 7,375. That was the smallest crowd in Great American Ballpark history. Now the place is packed, and Friday's atmosphere was positively electric. The team is very good and very fun, and fans are showing up to support them. Good times in the Queen City. Here are five takeaways from the Reds' thrilling come-from-behind win to extend their winning streak Friday night. 1. De La Cruz hit for the cycle. The Braves jumped on Reds' righty, Luke Weaver, and took a 5-0 lead in the top of the first inning. Travis Dearno's three-run homer was the inning's big blow. At that point, it would have been easy for the Reds to pack it in and say they're allowed to have a bad night after an 11-game winning streak. They did not do that. They stormed back and Ellie De La Cruz led the charge. De La Cruz, the 21-year-old headliner of our all-fun team, hit for the cycle Friday night, becoming the first Reds player to do so since Eric Davis on June 2, 1989. Here's what De La Cruz did Friday. Second inning. 116.6 miles per hour double. He later scored on Jake Fraley's two-run homer to get the Reds to within 5-2. Third inning. Over-the-shoulder catch in foul territory to retire Matt Olson. Fourth inning. 96.3 miles per hour, yawn, two-run homer to get the Reds to within 5-4. Fifth inning. RBI single to get the Reds to within 7-6. He then stole second. Sixth inning. 98.0 mph rocket triple to complete the cycle. Eighth inning. Lazy fly out to center. Can't get a hit every time. At 21 years and 163 days, De La Cruz is the fifth youngest player ever to hit for the cycle, and he's the youngest player since 1901 with a cycle and a stolen base in the same game. He's the first Reds player with 10 extra base hits and 7 stolen bases within his first 15 career games. Just incredible. Here's his electric evening. Speed 21.51 and a half one quarter. Report issue. It should be noted De La Cruz faced Braves rookie righty A.J. Smith-Shaver on Friday. De La Cruz vs. Smith-Shaver was the first matchup in baseball history featuring a hitter and pitcher both born in the year 2002. Feel old yet? The Reds are 14-2 since De La Cruz made his big league debut on June 6. 2. Votto still got it. It was not until June 19 that Joey Votto joined these red-hot red legs. 
The 39-year-old missed the start of the season after having shoulder surgery last August and he had to halt his minor league rehab assignment in April because his range of motion wasn't all the way back. Votto eventually returned to minor league games and he rejoined the Reds earlier this week. Given his age and the shoulder concerns, it was fair to wonder whether Votto still had anything to offer, but he answered that question in short order. Votto went deep in his season debut Monday and he went deep twice again Friday, including a monster go-ahead three-run homer in the fifth inning. Check it out. Speed 2-1.51 and a half one quarter. Report issue. In four games back from shoulder surgery, Votto is 4 for 13.308, with three home runs and seven RBI. He struggled to a .205-.319-.370 line while playing through the shoulder issue last season, but Vato is a hitting savant, and he slashed .266-.375-.563 with 36 home runs as recently as 2021. Now that his shoulder is healthy, he's showing he can still be an impact player. At 39 years and 286 days, Votto became the oldest Reds player with a multi-homer game Friday, surpassing Ken Griffey Sr., 39 years and 104 days on July 23, 1989. 3. The Reds could use more pitching. Looking ahead to the trade deadline, it's pretty obvious what this Reds team needs to make a serious run at the NL Central and into the postseason. They need pitching at least one starter and a reliever or three. De La Cruz, Votto and the rest of the offense were great and the comeback's win was thrilling, but this is a problem. I.P. H. R. E. R. B. B. K. H. R. Luke Weaver. Three and one-third. Seven. Five. Five, one, three, one. Bullpen. Six relievers. Five and two thirds. Nine, five, five, two, five, four. Total. Nine, sixteen, ten. 10, 3, 8, 5. Setup man, Lucas Sims, allowed three solo homers in the eighth inning, Ronald Acuna Jr., Austin Riley, Matt Olson, to turn a comfortable 11-7 lead into a tight 11-10 game. Weaver has a 6.86 ERA in 12 starts this season and is third on the team with 60 and one-third innings. Young pitchers like Hunter Green and Andrew Abbott will have their workloads monitored, remember. Fortunately, the trade deadline is more than five weeks away, and that's plenty of time for GM Nick Kroll and his staff to reinforce the pitching. Friday's win was one for the ages. It was also a reminder the Reds need a few more arms. 4. It's the fourth longest winning streak in Reds history. The 12-game winning streak is the Reds' longest since 1957 and it's tied for the fourth longest in franchise history. The Reds have been around in one form or another since 1882, you know. Here are the longest winning streaks in team history. 14 games. July 26 to August 12, 1899. 13 games. June 5 to 19, 1890. 
13 games. August 30, 1918 to May 1, 1919. 12 games. June 10 to 21, 2023, active. 12 games. April 30 to May 12, 1957. 12 games. May 16 to 27, 1939. This current 12-game winning streak is tied for franchise's longest in a single season in the modern era since 1901, which is pretty remarkable given how long this franchise has been around. During this 12-game winning streak, the Reds swept the Astros in Houston and now they've beaten the Braves. Those are some quality wins. The Reds will send righty Graham Ashcraft, 3-5, 6.78 ERA, to the mound Saturday afternoon as they look to extend their winning streak to 13 games. The Braves will counter with rookie Jared Schuster, 4-2, 4.57 ERA. At 41-35, Cincinnati leads the NL Central, and it is the first time they've been in sole possession of first place this late in the season since winning the division in 2012. 5. The Braves will be fine. Tough loss for the Braves on Friday. They blew 5-0 and 7-5 leads, Fangraf says Atlanta had a 93.4% chance to win the game in the second inning, and that's always going to sting. They still have the National League's best record at 48-26, however, and they had an eight-game winning streak snapped Friday. Atlanta's been great lately, and there's no reason to think they won't be great going forward. Just a bad night for Braves. It happens. No cause for alarm. Watch now. Welcome the annual Major League Baseball All-Fun Team. Here in the space, I'll build a team out of the players I'm having the most fun watching this season. One might wonder how I define fun and, well, I kind of don't. It's totally subjective and based solely on the eye test. For me, almost anything can be fun. In the past, there would be room for any type from hitter from Dave Kingman to Tony Gwynn. We could have a Prince Fielder and a Terrence Gore. On the pitching side, it could be anywhere from a Pedro Martinez to an Ari Dickey. Given that it is subjective, let's keep in mind this is just me. If you want to complain about how terrible this is, it is Matt Snyder and not CBS Sports. Don't lump in my teammates with my bad plays. Also, make your own list. There's no reason to yell about how bad something is when you can simply make your own. Got it? Good. Let's go. Catcher, Adley Rushman, Orioles. There's something inherently fun about watching a future star blossom into a current star and he's already gone through the transformation. He walks more than he strikes out, has all fields, extra base power, and is a switch hitter. Backup Cal Raleigh, Mariners Also considered JT Realmuto, Phillies First base, Vladimir Guerrero, Jr., Blue Jays it would be a relative shame if the 2021 season to which Vlad Jr. treated us ends up as his career year, but he remains immensely fun to watch at the plate. That swing is just so violent and it's a thing of beauty when he fully connects. Backup Anthony Rizzo, Yankees Also considered Pete Alonso, Mets
Second base, Luisa Reyes, Marlins. Allow me to vent for a quick second. There's a segment of baseball fandom bouncing around on social media that chooses to use Arayas as a vehicle to impugn every other current player. It goes something like, An assembly line of launch angle-obsessed hitters swing for the fences every time and Luis Arayas is out there showing them all you have to do is make an adjustment. The ignorant insinuation in there is that any player could be flirting with .400 right now if only he cut down on his swing and tried to hit the ball where the defenders aren't. The players are just too stupid to do anything but try to hit home runs. The problem with this argument is it does a total disservice to the bat-on-ball talent that Arias has. The reason players like Rod Carew and Tony Gwynn and Wade Boggs were special wasn't only due to approach. It was their generational talent with the bat combined with approach. If you're trying to say someone like Javier Baez could have the season Arias is having right now if he just changed his approach, that's just as ignorant as you think players who swing for the fences are. It's like saying Shaq could have been a 90% free throw shooter if he just tried harder or something. Different players have different skill sets and no one else could do what Arias is doing this season. There's a way to appreciate a player without kicking and screaming about how much everyone else is bad. Arias is truly special with his handling of the bat and it's offensive to the season he's having to suggest that other players could do it if they just approached at-bats differently. If you can't watch him and enjoy it instead of getting worked up, I can't really help you. Backup Ozzie Albies, Braves Also considered Nico Horner, Cubs Third base, Ellie De La Cruz, Reds Yes, he's been promoted to the front of the class already. Have you watched him play and witnessed the array of physical tools? It's unreal. Remember, I'm not crowning him a Hall of Famer or even All-Star. He's not even the Rookie of the Year, not even close, in fact. This is simply a list of who I'm having the most fun watching this season. It could be at least partially that he's a shiny new toy, but that's fine. He's the MVP of this list right now. Backup Gunnar Henderson, Orioles Also considered Jose Ramirez, Guardians, Nolan Arenado, Cardinals, Rafael Devers, Red Sox, Manny Machado, Padres Shortstop, Wander Franco, Rays We're really starting to see it all come together this season and he's only 22 years old. The power, the speed, the superb defense, he even flipped a ball to himself to spice up a routine grounder. It could be said for so many players on here, or any of them, really, but I felt like saying it on Wander, it's just a pleasure to witness his work. Backup Matt McLean, Reds Also considered Bobachette, Blue Jays, Corey Seager, Rangers, Javi, no. I'll never quit including him until he's retired, Baez, Tigers. Outfield, Ronald Acuna Jr., Braves, Corbin Carroll, Diamondbacks, Fernando Tatis, Jr., Padres. There is zero reason that Acuna should be left off anyone's list. Even if you hate the Braves more than any other team in the history of sports, you can step outside that and appreciate the individual season he's having in every aspect of baseball. Carroll is only 5'10 and has 16 homers with a .581 slugging percentage.
He also has 19 stolen bases and 3 triples. He's hitting around .300 and only had 32 games of MLB experience heading into the season. He's just such an exceptional talent. Find a video clip of him running the bases, where he goes at least three, sometime, and then realize he's also a prodigious power hitter. It's jaw-dropping. On Tatis, Venom will follow him the rest of his career thanks to the PED suspension. For some people, they just can't put that aside when watching him play, and that's perfectly acceptable. I don't expect everyone to agree. For me, I can put it aside and just watch the play. And it's glorious. Things have been clicking with him the last several weeks like it's 2019-21, which means he's one of the most talented players on the planet just doing his thing. He's really taking to right field, too. Backups Aaron Judge, Yankees, Mookie Betts, Dodgers, Christopher Morrell, Cubs. Also considered Luis Robert, White Sox, Adulis Garcia, Rangers, Randy Arazarina, Rays, Mike Trout, Angels, Julio Rodriguez, Mariners, Brent Rooker, A's, Jazz Chisholm, Marlins, Jorge Soler, Marlins, Kyle Schwarber, Phillies. Designated hitter, Jordan Alvarez, Astros. Violent swing from a giant left-handed hitter? Come on. I'm totally a sucker for that. He might be the most fearful hitter in baseball for opposing pitchers when he's going right and you know that wins me over. Backup Bryce Harper, Phillies Special Entry, Shohei Otani, Angels Easiest pick on the board. If you don't love watching him ply his two-way trade, you just don't love baseball. Starting Pitchers, Spencer Strider, Braves, Marcus Stroman, Cubs, Framber Valdez, Astros, Max Scherzer, Mets. Though I don't often mention it, I've also never really tried to hide my underlying disdain for pitchers. I must have been scarred along the way somewhere, but that's an issue for another time. I do greatly appreciate nasty stuff from pitchers in the moment, but in general as I scrolled through rosters, very few pitchers jumped out at me for who I've enjoyed watching all season. Strider, though, is a really fun one. He's mostly just two pitches which should be the arsenal of a reliever and strikes out opponents at a higher rate than anyone. It really is beautiful to see him carve up opponents when he's on. Stroman brings a swagger to the mound usually reserved for position players and I appreciate that in addition to his diminutive frame, as a fellow short guy, I'll let this override my general distaste for his position. He's having a career year to this point and, yeah, playing for my favorite team doesn't hurt anything. On Valdez, I'm not sure I can explain it beyond him being left-handed, in addition to short, I'm also a southpaw. Of course, there are tons of other lefties. I've just really enjoyed watching him pitch the last several postseasons and have found myself unable to turn away from his starts this season, as much as it pains me to say that about any pitcher. I like his pacing and mannerisms, maybe? I don't know. Like I said, I can't really explain it, but sometimes we don't have to on a list like this. As for Scherzer, I have long had Mad Max on here and I'll just leave him here until he retires. When he's got all the intensity and his pitches firing, it's a thing of beauty. Relief Pitchers, the Orioles' back-end duo, 
I can totally envision the Orioles making a deep playoff run this October similar to the Phillies' run last year. If anything like that happens, we'll be rallying around Yenier Cano and Felix Bautista burying opponents with relative ease in the late innings in front of a rocking crowd in Camden. They've been so brilliant this year and, as a major bonus, Bautista comes out to the best closer music ever. Backup Alexis Diaz, Reds Permanent Entry Liam Hendricks, White Sox Hendricks has long been one of the best and kindest interviewees in the clubhouse and it's been nice to watch him battle back to the field from cancer. He was already a fixture on this list and now he's not ever going anywhere.